As the children are dismissed to junior church, I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 in your Bibles. Romans 8. We're going to go there here in a moment to talk about God's love enabling us to stay in relationship with Him. Romans 8, God's love enabling us to stay in relationship with Him. By the way, as you're turning there, last week I got the opportunity to substitute a class at Heartland Christian again and it was really fun uh, in multiple ways, and one was I got to read history with them from the 1600s, and there was a little section about church life in the 1600s, and they had to sit on hard wooden pews for three hours as the pastor preached, and as I thought about that, I thought, I got to step it up. <laughs> I mean, three hours, and if they fell asleep, they had to be put in the stocks, so... I won't go quite three hours today, <laughs> not even close. Romans 8, and uh, it's on your, in your pew Bibles on page 888, uh, page 888 if you want to turn in your pew Bibles. We're going to start at verse 35 here in just a moment. Uh, David Jeremiah shares an illustration which helps us get this started today. He writes, at every moment in all the history of our fallen race, people have faced threats from both the present and the future. On both a personal and a cosmic level, at any given moment, people have faced threats. And each time, Christians have always asked, is God still with me through all of this? Is God still with me through all of this? And and maybe you've been there, right? Maybe you've been in places and times where you've had asked, is God still with me? If ever a young man had the right to ask this question, it would seem that George Matheson did. George Matheson. He was born in the 19th century Scotland, so 1800s Scotland. And George became a brilliant student in theology at the University of Glasgow, where he earned a graduate degree. While at school, he fell in love and was soon engaged to be married. Meanwhile, his eyesight began to fade rapidly. His eyesight began to fade rapidly. When he became totally blind at age 20, his fiance broke off the engagement, explaining that she was not cut out to be the wife of a blind man. So here he is, a brilliant student in theology, going blind. His fiance breaks off the engagement. Matheson was devastated. The pain of her abandonment stayed with him in his blindness. He never married. Yet he went on to become a high he went on to become a highly successful pastor at a large church in Edinburgh. Spelled Edinburgh, but I'm told it's pronounced Edinburgh. Where he preached to get this 1500 members every Sunday. It's a big church for back then. It's a big church for today. Many men in enduring such blows might have struck out at God thinking he had abandoned him. Many would have thought, I've, deaded my, I've dedicated my life to, to you, God, that you allowed me to fall in love and then you snatched away my fiance and my eyesight. You must not really love me after all. But Matheson knew better. Though his beloved fiancé had left him, he knew that God would not. Out of his pain emerged the classic hymn, O love that will not let me go. That's the hymn that came out of 
his pain. Oh, love that will not let me go. His first verse is a ringing affirmation of the love of God reaching across the chasm of his sadness. Here's the first, here's the first verse. Oh, love that will not let me go. I rest my weary soul in thee. I give thee back the life I owe that in thine ocean depths its flow may richer, fuller be. Though George Matheson was physically blind, his spiritual vision was 2020. Those who trust in the ways and purposes of God will be strengthened in the present and prepared to face whatever the future holds. Suffering is inevitable. It comes to everyone, but only those who live in the certainty that God's love will not let them go are able to accept with confidence and assurance both the troubles of the present and the troubles that may come tomorrow. God's love will not let us go. We've been talking about God's love for us. We've been talking about how God loves you. And today my theme is God's love enables you to stay in your relationship with him. God's love holds you. God's love holds you, enables you to stay in a relationship with him. And I wanna look at Romans 8, 35 through 39 to talk about this in a moment. So, so first, my first point, who shall separate us from God's love? That's what, that's, what, that's what Paul the apostle asks in Romans 8. Who shall separate us from God's love? He asks this question, then he goes to great lengths to show that no one and nothing can separate us from God's love. Paul asks a question expecting a negative answer. Before, before we read the verses, let's put this in context. Romans 8 Verses 35 through 39 is in the context of Romans, and Romans is Paul's great treatise on salvation. Romans is Paul making the case for salvation by faith alone in Christ alone. And Paul went to great lengths to show that Jews and Greeks all need Jesus' free offer of forgiveness. That's why Romans 1 is all about sins that were um, prominent in Greek society and Roman society and the Greco-Roman, the Gentiles. Romans 2, he goes into saying that the Jews, they're not without excuse. Romans 3, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. His, his great treaties on salvation all need the gospel. Jesus offers free forgiveness for all. Some have called Romans 8 the most powerful chapter in the Bible. Romans 8 is sandwiched between Romans 7 showing that we cannot keep the law. In Romans 9, in which the Apostle Paul writes about God's sovereign choice. Look at Romans 8.35. Romans 8.35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Who shall separate us? From the love of Christ. If you're following along in the blanks on the insert in the bulletin, your first blanks are right there. I like an illustration David Jeremiah gives. He writes, it's a bit like an old commercial for superglue in which a car was suspended in midair, held to the cable by nothing but a dab or two of that incredible adhesive. The test was intended to convince people that this glue would do any job needed. If it could hold that car, surely it would patch your broken vase. 
I was traveling down to Dayton on Christmas Day. And if you remember Christmas Day this year, it was really cold. It was like two degrees outside. There was salt all over the road. And windshield wipers were no longer spraying the windshield wiper fluid, which gets pretty bad when there's been a lot of salt in the road. And so I stopped at a pilot and got more windshield washer fluid, and they're still jamming up. And so I stop again and open the hood and thought maybe there's like ice stuck on the end. And I tried to clean them off. And the thing that sticks out of the top of the um, hood broke off. (laughs) So we made a way and we got to my dad's house. He said, I have this Gorilla Glue. And we glued those. It was supposed to be just a temporary fix. Glued those, the things that spray, the nozzles right on there. And guess what? They are still glued today. I thought I would order parts and get new parts and replace it. I called uh, Auto Parts Place and it was expensive. I'm not doing that. It's staying. It's stock. Super glue. The things that glue can do, right? That's what Paul is kind of saying. We are glued to Christ. Twice, Paul emphatically asserts that nothing can separate us from the love of God found in Christ Jesus. Twice, he, he states that in verses 35 and 39. Surely few would disagree that this is the greatest message of the Bible. Nothing in the entire universe can stop God from loving us. Nothing in the entire universe can stop God from loving us. It simply cannot and it will not happen. That's what the Apostle Paul is belaboring right here. He's emphasizing right here. Please notice that Paul does not say we must hang on to God's love. He says that God's love hangs on to us. God's love hangs on to us. Paul asks the question, who shall separate us? And then he lists several nouns. Should show that no, they cannot separate us. God holds us. God holds us close to him. It is all his staying power in us. We will go through tribulation, but guess what? God is with us. It cannot separate us from him. We will have distress, but it cannot separate us from him. God is with us. We will face persecution. See, 2 Timothy 3.12 says, all who want to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but God is with us. And Jesus even says we are blessed in Matthew 5, 11 through 12. We will face famine, nakedness, and danger, but God is with us. And that famine will not separate us from him. You know the interesting thing? These verses say that these hardships will not separate us. If we know Jesus, we will not leave him because he is holding us. Our Savior is holding on to us. That does not mean we will not question things or ever have doubts, but no, we won't leave him. We will have doubts, we will have questions, we will face tribulation, but he's holding us. He's holding us. Romans 8.36 is a quote from Psalm 44.2, which Paul references to bring up hardship. And then the next part, I wanna go to verse 37, which is saying we are hyper-conquerors, but only through Christ Jesus. We are not hyper-conquerors on our own. We are hyper-conquerors through him who loved us. Look at verse 37. He says, knowing all these things, this is another blank, by the way, in your bulletin. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And all those things he mentioned, tribulation, famine, nakedness, sword. He says, they won't separate us. No, they will not separate us. We are more than conquerors 
but only because of him who loved us. Again, I like what David Jeremiah writes about this verse. He says, the Greek word for conquer is hypernikio. It's a compound word made up of hyper, which means more, above, or beyond, and nikio, which means to conquer or prevail. The term is a unique one occurring nowhere in the Bible but this particular verse. It has no single word counterpart in English. So we must cobble together two or three words to get the sense of what it means. Scholars have tried such phrases as overwhelming, overwhelmingly conquerors, or beyond conquering, but the favorite by far is more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. Many of our contemporary translations contain that familiar phrase. But let's try another one. What about hyper-conquerors? Hyper-conquerors. It has a modern ring to it and suggests the idea of a new league of superheroes. The hyper-conquerors. I, I like it. Let's try it. In the midst of all these things that try to bring us down, tribulation, distress, persecution, you name it, we are hyper-conquerors. When facing any problem that life can dish out, you are a hyper-conqueror through him who loved you, through Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, who loves you. In struggling with that problem, that problem you're worrying about every day, which is you fill in the blank, you are a hyper-conqueror through Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Here's a story of how this works in real life. How does this work in real life? Here's a real life example. During his reign of terror, Italian dictator Benedetto Mussolini turned his war machine on Ethiopia and he expelled all the Christian missionaries. He expelled all the Christian missionaries in Ethiopia. Christians everywhere began praying immediately. The answer came in two waves. First, into protection of the expelled missionaries. They were, expe- they were protected. And second, in reopening the doors of Ethiopia to the gospel after the military pride of Italy lay broken in the dust and Mussolini was executed by his own countrymen. God protected the missionaries. And then get this, during the missionaries' absence, the word of God multiplied in Ethiopia. In the returning missionaries, found a larger, stronger church than the one they left. Isn't that awesome? Get this. One group, the United Presbyterian Mission, had only 60 believers when the missionaries were expelled. Only 60. On their return, the 60 had grown to 30 churches with a membership of 1,600. That happened during a time when the missionaries were expelled. That these believers were more than conquerors. They were hyper-conquerors through Jesus, their Lord and Savior, who loved them. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Look with me at Romans 8, 38 through 39, and, and these are your next blanks. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in this next verse. For I am sure, look at verse 38 and 39. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Paul gives us five pairs 
of contrasting forces that may challenge us. The big idea is that you can go from one end of any spectrum to the other, from life to death, from things present to things to come, without going beyond the scope of God's love. Here Paul uses a rhetorical device called a merism. A merism. This involves stating a pair of contrasting words to represent the full range of everything in between. We use a merism when we say, he knows his subject from A to Z. When the psalmist declares that God has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west, in Psalm 103.12, he is using a merism to explain that God has removed our sins in totality. That's what the Apostle Paul is doing right here. Death nor life cannot separate us from God's love. Death, then, is not a wall that separates us from God. Dr. James Montgomery Boyce points out that it's much the opposite. Far from tearing us away from God, death ushers us into the full glory of his presence. The separator becomes the uniter for the Christian. Paul says angels nor rulers. Why would he say angels? Well, we know that demons are fallen angels. I think he's referring to demons here. Demons cannot separate us from God's love. Rulers will not separate us from Christ's love. Sometimes, many times, Christians have felt the weight of oppressive rulers, but we are still held by God's love. Things in the present, things in the future, guess what? They will not separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus. Powers, they won't separate us from Christ's love. Romans 8.39 continues, height nor depth, they won't separate us from God's love. Nothing, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You, me, we, we can be encouraged that God's love hangs on to us. God's love hangs on to us better than super glue, better than anything else. God holds on to us. There's a fourth century bishop, fourth century, 300s A.D., Archbishop of Constantinople. He was such an eloquent preacher that after his death, the Greek word Christostomos, which means golden-mouthed, was added to his given name, John. John Christostomos. John golden-mouthed. History has since known, a, known him as John Chrysostom. John Chrysostom. I had to read some of his sermons in seminary. He did not hesitate to point out abuses of power, power wherever he found them. And his outspoken oratory got him in trouble with both the church and the Roman Empire. On one such occasion, he was brought before the Roman Emperor. Tradition tells us that the Emperor fixed Chrysostom with a glare and said to John Chrysostom, I will banish you if you do not give up your faith. You can't banish me, Chrysostom replied, for the whole world is my father's house. But I will put you to death, the emperor responded. No, you can't. My life is hid with Christ in God. Then I will take away all your material possessions. No, you can't. My treasure is in heaven along with my heart. But, but I can drive you away from man. You will have no friends left, the emperor said. Chrysostom responded, no, you can't make me friendless. I have a friend in heaven 
from whom you can't separate me. I defy all your attempts to silence me. There is nothing you can do to hurt me. John Chrysostomos, John Chrysostom, John Goldenmouth, the great orator. The question is, do you have such a friend in heaven? Do you have a relationship with Jesus to which somebody can threaten to take away your possessions but you can still, of course, struggle, but still say, I have a friend in heaven. I know Jesus. He is my Lord and Savior, to which he's your hope. He's our hope. That even in death, we know they can take our lives as many Christians have given up their lives and even are this year for the gospel, they can take our lives, but they really don't take our life. Our body dies, but then we are completely, totally healed. And we are more alive then than we ever were before. Just changed our address because we know the friend in heaven. We know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But if you don't know him today, you won't know him then. And if you don't know him in a relationship today, you don't really know him. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is a forever friend. And the Bible calls us to confess we are a sinner in need of a savior. Please repent of our sins. Believe in Jesus as the one and only Savior. Believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by him. He died on the cross for our sins and rose again. We're called to trust in him and commit to him. Confess, believe, trust, commit. We are called to firmly make the decision to be with him. It's a firm decision to be with Jesus. In order to become like him, become like Jesus, to learn and do all that he says, and arrange our affairs around him, that he's our friend. We're arranging our life around him. He is our Lord and our Savior. Not a Savior without being Lord. He is our Savior and our Lord. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that your love hangs on to us, that your love really does hang on to us, that you are our friend and you are our provider. And you hang on to us in a way that we really never could. And your love will never, ever let go of us. Nothing can separate us from your love. Nothing can separate us from, our love, from your love. Because you are the glue that holds us on. You're hanging, us on. You're, you're hanging on to us no matter what. Even when we have struggles, and some of those struggles are doubts, and, and real intellectual doubts or emotional doubts and things like that. Even then, you are with us and you will not leave us. Jesus, you said that same thing in the Gospel of John. Oh, thank you. Lord God, I pray that you would encourage each and every believer here by your great love. God loves us. The creator of the world loves us. The sustainer of the world loves us. 
He loves us. You love us. Even when we're going through those struggles, even when we're doubting, you love us. You're hanging on to us. You're saying, I'm still there. You may not feel me. You may not assist me, but I am there. Encourage each and every one. And for those here that are gathered and maybe they haven't turned their life over to you, may today be the day to repent and turn to you. May today be the day to confess they are a sinner in need of a savior, to believe in you as the one and only savior, to trust in you and commit to you. And may they tell you that in a simple prayer like this, knowing the prayer doesn't save, what saves is their heart. But we tell you that to make that firm decision real. Lord Jesus, I confess I've sinned and missed your perfect standard. I believe in you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again. Today, I'm trusting you as my Lord and Savior, and I'm committing my life to you. Please come into my life and help me to live for you. Lord Jesus, help us all living for you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have, que- if you have questions about God and the spiritual life, talk to me. I'd love to help you. Even if you're not a Christian and maybe even you're antagonistic to the faith, maybe, you, maybe your questions are that way, I would love to talk to you. I'd welcome that conversation and love to try to um, answer any of your intellectual um, struggles. And at this time, as the closing song, as they begin, the altars are open. And anyone who would like to come forward and pray, we would just love to pray with you. So come forward during this song.